I'm sure that you didn't expect so many life lessons when we came on today for this podcast, man. But this is why I appreciate talking to you. Your your intellect, kind of your appreciation, your attention, uh, and, and your intention. Uh, I, I just love that about you. They call us coach because there's a ball, but you could call us teacher as well. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bear Insider Ultimate Insider Podcast. I am Mike Pulaski, and today we have Peter Sermon with us. And I love Peter. As a quarterback, I'm not supposed to love defensive coordinators. I'm not supposed to love walking that office. But I love walking in his office and having conversations because they're so much deeper than just football or just accidentals. We always talk about life and everything else in general. Today we are talking about the defense, however. And so we're going to bring you that. Spring ball just ended. First off, Peter, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm thankful that you enjoy the conversations because there's some people that don't like talking. Right? So I, I appreciate that we connect. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So we just finished spring ball and you've got to look at your defense. Got, what, 15 full go reps, as it were, in the spring. Tell me just kind of general observation what you think of the defense so far. The spring, the the format of of, of what we did practice wise, I think was the biggest uh, adjustment. You know, you you've seen some practice, Mike. We went out there and we just put the ball down and we just called it uh, PTG, play the game, um, and let the first down, second down, third down, and some of the rhythm of of uh, practice get a little bit closer to the games. Uh, traditionally, we've been a kind of a stripped down and distance operation, which led you to uh, essentially no consequence. Uh, positive or negative from uh, the previous play. So I think just the, just the playing more football, uh, getting the guys kind of in the rhythm of some of the substitutions and some of the uh, the ball moving around a little bit, I think was the, the biggest uh, kind of overall change that we had. Uh, defensively, you know, we added a lot of new guys, um, especially in the back end. And, uh, you know, that was really the key of coming, trying to get out of spring ball is, you know, what are our strengths? Uh, where do we see this defense moving forward? And this coaching staff, obviously very DB heavy in terms of coaches, right? Coach Wilcox himself, a defensive back. And so uh, talk about, let's start back there. On the very back end of it, you said the backside, you added some dudes. What does it look like right now for the Bears in that secondary? Obviously, Craig Woodson's a stud coming in, right? We know Craig, we know what he's about. But talk about the other guys out there on defense in that back end. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, you start with Craig, but I'll also start with Craig. Craig uh, has been with us for years. Uh, you know, he had a, uh, that little bump in the road with uh, an ACL, uh, I think, uh, about two seasons ago. Uh, but Craig is is really going to be the heartbeat of what we're doing back there. He's a fantastic tackler. Uh, I think he has as good an instincts as anybody that uh, we have had in the last five, six years, and that's saying a lot. That's a lot. Craig is around the ball. Uh, you know, he's a guy that can, uh, you know, also block pots. He blocked a punt a couple seasons ago down at UCLA. So uh, he's really going to be uh, the heartbeat back there. Uh, and then really kind of jump out to the outside part. You know, we added uh, Noel Williams uh, from UNLV who, you know, uh, you know, eventually we'll talk about this transfer portal, Mike, but uh, Trey, Coach Watson, actually recruited him okay, to UNLV. So there's, there's going to be a lot of carryover in a lot of uh, instances that you see history of coming back around, um, and and that's kind of where some of these kids are going to land. But Noel has been a, a fantastic addition. Uh, he really is a, a well-groomed uh, college player. He's extremely uh, focused on detail. Uh, his behavior and his mannerisms really kind of were were shown in the weight room in the off season in the winter from how he ran to where he was in line, to how his body posture when he was tired, uh, to how he attacked the weight room. So um, his play in the spring really matched what we saw in the winter. Uh, no, Kalen, not, to cut, not to cut you off, I think it's yes. I think that's a unique point, though. Nowadays, with the transfer portal and with bringing in upperclassmen, I don't remember if it was you or if it was Coach Wilcox that told me once, you don't have to worry about making them college students anymore. Like when a guy comes in that way, they're college students. How much of a benefit is that to you as a coach? Well, it's it's that's going to be the the ultimate uh, positive of the transfer portal because uh, you don't you know we can go a lot of different directions you know even with this 
this whole conversation just kind of opened up a opened up a page. It's uh, you know, you don't like talking about misses or or things like that because you get very individualized. But when you when you think big picture in college uh recruiting, uh, you know, once you sign a player to get him to the point that that he is able to actually help the program and help us uh win games. You know, there's a lot of young men that that never get to that point, uh, either for, I mean, any number of reasons, injury, uh, lack of really desire to to put forth the effort, the necessary effort to get here, uh, opportunity, uh, maybe uh, we overshot what their ability to develop was and, and they, and they didn't uh, develop further. So there's a tremendous amount of uh, recruited players that never translate for a number of different reasons where the transfer portal, uh, you know, essentially the, the, the wheat and the shaft have kind of, they've kind of, uh, separated themselves. So these guys that are in the transfer portal, uh, you know, they're not perfect by any means, but they've kind of, uh, they've, they've made it through that first initial hurdle of the transition from being a high school student, uh, to being a functioning college student and then an athlete and still having the passion uh, and the desire to continue to develop. And we'll, we'll talk a little more about transfer portal. Cause like you said, it's so deep at this point that we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in just a little bit. We were talking about yeah. the defensive backs. Uh, we ended up with Noah Williams. Let's, let's move on here. Yeah. Well, uh, that then, can. Yep. And then we added Kalen Moore um, from Colorado. Kalen's a player that I think could play uh, the nickel position for us. I think he could play the corner position for us. And uh, Trey and Terrence uh, rotated him. Um, and they had a really nice plan, I thought, of getting him acclimated. And that's not an easy thing to do. So that's uh, that's very complimentary of Kalen to be able to play on the outside part of the field and then uh, to be able to even uh, within spring to be able to uh, jump inside and give us some uh, nickel reps as well. Uh, another guy on the outside, guy uh, Lou, Lou Maja. Um, has continued uh, to take those steps, and you know he played quite a bit for us right prior to the Colorado game. Then he ended up, uh, you know, getting dinged up in the Colorado game, and he really uh, wasn't available to to the degree that which would we would have uh, liked him to be, and and as he would have liked to be. So it was good to get him back. Um, you know, he's he really had some flash plays as a true freshman, and. You know, we really need him, and he really wants to take that next step of of being a, a, a more consistent performer, uh, going out there and, and getting an opportunity to to play against some of the best wide receivers and, and uh, continuing to get better uh, as he develops. Oftentimes, that growth year, right, that sophomore year and the injury gives you that impetus, that focus, all those things to kind of make you a better player and knowing him and seeing what he was like as a freshman and kind of the program he comes from in De La Salle, I expect him to take that jump as well. Yes, I we, we expect him, and, and he, you know, quite frankly, he needs to. Uh, he needs to for our defense to play where, where I think uh, our talent level um, is going to be at this season. You know, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's very easy um, to get inflated uh, hopes for a, for a young man coming in as a true freshman with, uh, you know, not really the the entire burden of playing the entire game. You go out and watch and make a few plays, but uh, you know, I think it's a it's a learning uh, it's a learning curve from being a uh, situational player that enjoys success to the transition of you know the guy carrying the the heaviest backpack and you know having to do it down in and down out and the preparation and and all those different components that go into the the mental and the psychological. Uh, you know, strength of, you know, that's a lonely position out there. That's a yeah, you are on an island at all times. Uh, and I don't think they got a chance to play, but Cam Bynum was pretty good at carrying that heavy backpack out there too, right? There's a great example for him. Yes, you're exactly right. So, uh, you know, that's where, you know, the development of being a situational player to being a full-time player, uh, it's more than, uh, you know, it's more than just on Saturday, you know, for two and a half hours. Uh, another guy on the outside, Jeremiah Irby, you know, we really like Herb dog, um, again, but he's going to be, I mean, that exact same situation that we just referred to with Lumaja, that's where, uh, Jeremiah is going to find himself, uh, a relative unknown come in extremely hungry, played as a true freshman, uh, you know, made some plays, uh, showed the willingness to, 
uh, to be a physical tackler on the outside. But then as his workload um, increases, it's it's that mental aptitude, it's that it's that resilience to a bad play, how you bounce back. So uh, Irby is just really a, a year behind of Lumaja. So you know both those guys are in different tracks, but but both uh, the same challenges. And he he made one of the greatest interceptions I've ever seen. Like early on when we first saw him on the field, he made that turn back spin, catch the ball last second. Like it was incredible, especially for a true freshman. Mike, that that game, that that game, you could argue won the game. I mean that that played yeah. the game for us. The way oh, yeah. he spun off that and tracked the ball and the coordination and the eye hand, uh, and then get his foot down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, was, it was one of the great interceptions I've seen in, I mean, almost four decades of football. So it was it agree. was pretty impressive. I would agree. Um, and then, really, the last guy that that got a bunch of reps on the outside was Isaiah Young. Isaiah's been with us for uh, several years now, and you know he's a guy that that can play. Uh, you know, he can play inside, he can play outside, and and it's good to see him continue to grow and compete. So, and that was one of those positions. Obviously, injuries was a big piece of it, which is why Jeremiah got to, you know, a lot of reps out there at that corner position was because you had some injuries. So that's a big place, obviously, you guys have focused on in the offseason, trying to kind of get some stuff in. I'm sure the corner is always a spot that you want to bring dudes in and get them to play because it's tough. Their best friend, however, and we'll, get, we'll jump here now, is that defensive line, right? A corner's best friend is the pass rush. What can they do? How can they put pressure on the quarterback? How can you affect that dude so he has to throw when he's not ready or off balance or late or whatever it is? And so talk to me about the defensive line. For me, as an ex-quarterback, that's been the one spot on defense where I feel like you could make the biggest push. And Brett Johnson being injured was a huge piece of that. Um, But some personnel and some injuries that didn't happen, and it's a completely different animal. Yeah, and then, you know, that's a a great segue of, you know, we kind of, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but really the, the, the biggest opportunity and the biggest focus that, that I've challenged uh, the defense is explosive pass plays. Um, explosive pass plays, uh, we were uh, not good last year. And those are any, any plays over 15 yards. So right now we're throwing all X plays into a bucket regardless of the down, uh, regardless, anything 15 plus for our own self. Everybody has different, you know, some people evaluate uh, X runs and X passes differently. And, you know, um, they all go in the same bucket for us. Um, I think we're number two or number three in the conference in X runs against, uh, and we weren't, we weren't very strong with X passes against. And that, uh, is exactly to your point. Uh, when we talk about the, the throw game and the issues that we need to correct, I always say it's a, it's a, we problem. It's, uh, the defensive backs, it's the D-line, it's the linebackers in zone coverage, it's how we rush the quarterback, uh, it's how we tackle the ball once the ball gets thrown. So uh, I think your your point of the defensive line is a is a appropriate um, you know segue into talking about them and how those guys are going to be instrumental in uh, in the throw game. Uh, in the last two years, I felt really good about our numbers of what we had when we first started the fall. Right. And unfortunately, you know, there's been, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, sometimes you get, you get a rough run of it and, you know, some of those guys are no longer available. So, uh, getting these guys back, uh, you know, getting Stanley back, you know, in the spring, um, you know, getting Brett back, you know, on schedule to, to come on back, uh, Derek Wilkins to come on back. Uh, Akili Calhoun to come on back. Uh, you know, I think you're, if, if our guys continue to stay healthy, I think you're going to see more interior players uh, with a greater workload than, than we've had in the last two or three years. That's a, a big point of emphasis for us is, you know, how do we get those guys, the guys that are coming back, how do we get them healthy and up to speed? And then how do we continue to, to uh, distribute that workload um, and really, get everybody the, the best reps and the better best opportunities to play fresh and, and to continue to, you know, we need to continue to be more disruptive up front in the run game and the throw game. Yeah. And kind of, I mean, to your earlier point, having your D line with so many injuries and your corners with so many injuries, it makes it tough to be good against explosive passes. 
because no matter how good the kids are you recruit when they're young and when they're inexperienced, there's, people are still going to take advantage of them. I would look for that number out there. I'd look for the fish. Oh, who haven't we seen before? Let's go after that guy. And if I'm not getting pressure, and again, no knock to younger players, they just don't have the experience, the reps, the time put in to make it happen. You know, that's just naturally where you attack and you play in the Pac-12. It's, a, it's as good a conference as there is. So guys are going to be able to take advantage of those mismatches. Yeah, and, you know, uh, two years ago, the offensive style, probably not the, the offensive style, but really the the skill has tremendously increased. Um, you know, as much as we talk about the transfer portal helping us, it's always relative. Um, you know, as we increase, you know, the, the, the tide is rising and all the boats, you know, all the boats are, are improving and, and in the past, you know, some of these offenses, they couldn't fix their, their recruiting errors. Now, um, you know, there's really not a, a recruiting error anymore because you can, you can fix, you, you can fix it immediately, um, from somebody else. So, uh, the style of the style of play and the efficiency that the, that the offenses are, are throwing the ball right now in our conferences is actually quite remarkable. Yeah, and I'm not, let's talk about that real quick because you are facing different stuff. That A lot of the air raid concepts have become standard concepts in the Pac-12. You look at the guys who come from that air raid tree, and you have Oregon was running it last year. They'll be running it again. Washington State was running it last year. They'll be running it again. USC is running it with Lincoln Riley, who probably runs it as good as anybody in the country in terms of what he does. Uh, Chip Kelly runs a lot of the same concepts. His run game is more unique, but he runs a lot of the same concepts. You're going to have it down in Arizona State. So you're going to face that air raid type system uh, where pass, run, screen options all work against you at the same time, and it makes it tough on your side of the ball. It, it really does. And, it you know, it comes back to, you know, like defensively is is how many how many snaps in a game can we play coverage that, that we are challenging throws? Um, in the past, yeah, I can go back, Four or five years ago, uh, you know, we were a big, um, what I call it, a zone quarters team, uh, not a hard pattern match, or some people call it a vision quarters. However, you however you want to see it, um, and a vision quarter philosophy is see the ball thrown. You're going to give up completions. You're not going to contest easy throws, and you're going to tackle, uh, and you're really just going to try to wait it out. You know, will they make a mistake? Will they will they miss the smash concept on first and ten? Get to second and ten, uh, where the efficiency and the the completion percentages and the accuracy uh, of the quarterbacks has tremendously changed in this air raidish style of play that we're all seeing. Uh, and I think that is, I think that I think the you can go back and I think you're seeing uh, the 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 rise of seven on seven which is insignificant how you feel about it. I see a, a better development of the throwing and catching of the football and the better understanding of, you know, if you go out and watch these, watch these guys practice, it's all, you'll hear the word grass, find the grass, find the grass, grass, find the grass, space. find the space. And that, you know, from, from our background, Mike, or at least my background, uh, defensively, uh, in my time with, with different guys, the precision of the throw game was the depth of your route, how high, how high you were taking it. I can't, I'm three big, two little, you know, whatever that is that the guys had, it was, it was imperative to reach their spaces, to reach their landmarks. That is gone. That, that, that is gone. Yeah. And you're exactly right. I mean, it's, I, it's funny because I, I was literally just thinking about this today. It was one of the questions that I'm posing in another podcast, and it was how much do your biases kind of affect your thought process when you're looking at dudes? And it's, I was raised in the West Coast style of system. It is, if you run a 12-yard route, I'm taking a five-step under center drop. If it's an out route, it's a three plus two quick set. If, you know, it's like everything is absolutely pattern matched perfectly because timing beats coverage. Yes. But Mike Leach and Hal Mummy come along, and they steal from Lavelle Edwards, and they say, oh, look, there's an open spot over there. You just go kind of run to that. And and whatever they're doing, it doesn't really matter what they're doing in terms of coverage. Just find some open space, and the quarterback's going to read that. And, that, like, I had to wrap my head around that as a, as a you know, coach coaching youth quarterbacks. 
I had to wrap my head around this whole progression system, run to grass concept that took me a while to get there. And so uh, your, your point is well taken that no matter, you can have the exact perfect coverage on, but they've got a screen option and a pass option together. And so you may have the pass option perfectly matched, but he says, oh, well, they got that match. Let's throw the screen because there's open space or, oh, it's going to mesh, but I can climb on that mesh because they're leaving space behind the linebacker. Like you can't be right if the offense is run properly. You're correct. Um, and that's, that's the beauty of what they're doing offensively. Um, you know, and with, with the, the, the frequency of place, uh, every time you're out there defensively, you're giving up yards, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's a mathematical thing, you know, it's, it's the YPP yards per play, you know, and however that's going to happen, it's, you know, once you're out there, it's, it's how you manage it, explosive plays and then how you get takeaways. Yeah. Make them work for it. Right. And then compress them. Once you get down inside the 10, now it gets a lot tougher to get that stuff done. So agreed. I, I just think it's tough as a defensive coordinator. And it always goes back and forth, right? The 46 and that bear defense completely changed the game for offenses. Like offenses had to adjust. And I'm, I'm sure defenses, and you can tell me, are adjusting to this new system. What, what are defenses doing to react to that? You know, we're, we're adjusting, uh, but there's going to be a point that, in my opinion, the offense always has the, the pin last. All right. Um, you know, it's, you know, four or five, eh, maybe nine, 10 years ago, you started getting some of these, uh, the, the hard counts, right. To, to really kind of undress the coverage. Um, and the, the coordinator was really playing Matt is how I, how I saw it on the sidelines. Now you might have a run to run option. You might have a run to pass option. Uh, you know, you might have all these different tags that we only get 11. Um, I have to provide a box, you know, we can have a guy in or out of the box, um, but there's always going to be a point of, you know, all my 50-50 guys, something has to win. You can't allow a 50-50 player, um, you know, an overhang defender in quarters. Something has to, something has to win. Something has to be, um, you know, what you play first and what you play second based on the picture that you get. So when, when they can make adjustments post-snap, off of a number and leverage, you know, if, if, if uh, you know, a quarterback is, you know, can, can handle some of the, the, the pre-snap shells and the post-snap shells, you know, those are going to be really challenging for us. But, um, you know, it's still, it's still the execution. Uh, what I find is uh, talking offensive coaches, they do have literally all the answers. However, let's not make let's, let's let's make sure we understand. There's still 11 people haven't execute. There's still a snap count. Uh, there's still IDs of fronts. There's still a point. There's still okay. My my overhang. I thought I had big box and I had outside leverage. Then post snap, he went to inside leverage. The quarterback eyes didn't see it. So, as much as these offenses are exceptionally good to talk through and to clinic through, they still have to execute, and that's where. That's where the, the, the defense side of the ball, uh, being aggressive up front, you know, trying to play a little bit more attached, a little stickier coverage of not allowing all the, the, the space and the grass to be found. I mean, uh, you know, you go around, I think you're going to see more and more uh, tighter coverage. Uh, so you, you don't get easy access throws and, and pitch and catches. Yeah, and... A big edge rush guy helps that a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yep. laughs> you can get home and rattle that quarterback's cage a little bit. That gets you in good shape. Well, uh, obviously, Brett Johnson's more of an interior guy. But in terms of edge rushers, uh, what are you looking at in terms of your team, the guys that you have on campus right now? What are you projecting on? Yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm actually go back because I, I didn't talk about Ethan Saunders interior-wide. Right. Uh, Ethan is, you know, once you talked about edge rushers, uh, I see Ethan being a big part of what we rush, you know, from the interior position. Um, you know, I think he can do a good job as a three or a G uh, inside. Um, you know, the 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 situation that you're going to find yourself in, which is a little bit of a, um, you know, kind of going back to the offensive side, is how many true 
drop back pass opportunities you're going to get because the RPO, the run to pass option play is uh, extremely hard to rush the quarterback. You know, you get a base out as a three and, you know, you're getting inside zone look. That, that's a very tough transition to oh yeah change your mindset and then, you know, get transition up the field. And typically those are all going to be RPOs, you know, with some of those looks. Um, so uh, I think as we continue to go, I think you're going to continue to see, um, I wouldn't say inflated, but you'll see the continued rise in the, in the offensive output, uh, output. And I will think you will continue to see uh, a slight diminishment of the true sack number. Uh, as offenses don't get, you know, some of the more traditional drop back pass games, uh, and the ball is RPO'd out. And even on some of these, you know, you put the ball on the plus side of the field, is third down, third down, or is third down, second down? So the traditional times I was getting to, hey, it's third and more than six, we're going, boy, it's, it is, you know, if, if you give them a bad box, for from my point of view, and they want to run inside zone on it, you, you can't rush the passer on those, you know, the kind of down and distance, like, oh man, is this two down territory? Right. Um, and you know, you have to identify, is their efficiency drop back pass? Is their efficiency better than the RPO game and taking what you give them in terms of yards per play? I don't know if you need to do that, but you have to do it within 25 seconds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's, that's where, you know, the, the, I think the rushes, you know, I think we're gonna have to find another sweet spot uh, in terms of, of how we identify our impact. It's, you know, I don't know what the term's going to be, but it's going to be impact rushes. It's going to be change the launch point rushes. There's going to be another uh, defensive uh, statistic that is not going to be a, a defined statistic, very similar to, I think, tackles. I don't think tackles are a, a, a recognized statistic. There's a stat, but it's 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 a little bit harder to navigate than than, uh, you know, rush yards, you know, where the ball was thrown, you know, who caught it. Uh, there's a little bit of, uh, subjectivity to it. And I think we're going to end up, somebody's going to end up trying to quantify impact rushes. Yeah. I mean, they, they come up with an answer for everything. So I'm sure they would, uh, let's move on now. And, and we're going to hit the position near and dear to you, obviously the linebacker, uh, and your boy is back there. One of the dudes that I love watching play because he is always in the right spot, and he is clearly a leader on the field. Uh, and and he's a guy that it seems to me, just from watching him, I don't I don't know Jackson extremely well, but it seems like he just has a passion for the game, right? He's out there, he's leading, he's playing hard, he's doing the right things, uh, and so I've enjoyed watching him. Let's talk about Jackson first because he's clearly the centerpiece of that linebacker crew. Yeah, you know Jackson is uh, you know I, I'm proud of of what Jackson has done, uh, you know in terms of he's been a, a better football player every year than he was the year before. And for me, that's, uh, that's probably the highest compliment as I can pay uh, a player. It's period. You know, that's a ground. I mean, you just keep getting better. You keep getting better. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that goes to, there's a lot of facets to that. There is availability, opportunity, uh, and then desire, you know, all those things, uh, none of them, uh, are worth the darn without the other. Um, and you have to have all of them uh, to be a, a, an ex, a, a player for an extended period of time. So I think those three things, uh, he's continuing, and I expect him to get better again this year. You know, there are things that, that uh, I want him to do better, uh, you know, challenge him to be more of an impactful player. You know, we need more uh, interceptions. You know, the Colorado, the, the beautiful play between Herb and uh, him and the Stanford game is our best players – need to not just make their plays, they need to make impactful plays that can help our team win. And that's how to make plays. Yeah. Yes. It's, you know, if we all just do our job, that sounds good, but you know, the best players got to make, got to make the plays. Yep. And, and that's, that's where, uh, you know, Jackson's focus is not, not to diminish, uh, you know, making contact, you know, we're, I'm not asking him to be a home run hitter and not a on base guy. It's you got to make your plays, and when the opportunity presents itself, uh, 
you know, you got you got to help us win the game. Um, and then, you know, uh, it's been great. We brought in uh, Sergio Allen from Clemson. Um, and, you know, the guys that we brought in, uh, I think we did, uh, uh, you know, right now, knowing the guys for about, you know, shoot, about five months now, uh, I think the, the the best thing we've done on defense is bring the right type of kids in. Um, and that is, uh, that takes some, some background work, that takes some gut intuition, uh, because when players leave programs, you don't always get Right. There's a reason. The the real story. So you have to um, talk to a young man. You have to talk to somebody you trust. Um, because, you know, the same way that, that when anybody leaves a program, none of us are in the business of preventing a, a player from getting an opportunity. But you also need to be able to distinguish between, okay, why didn't it work for that player? And... You know, the, the the guys that we're trying to hone in on are guys that want to, maybe at a lower level, they want to consistently compete against better players on Saturdays. And then the other kind of player is you're looking for uh, a very talented player that is behind a first-round pick. That's a very behind talented player. Right. Pick. Yeah. You know, and, you know, uh, you know, Serge is one of those guys. You watch Clemson year in, year out. You know, just because you can't play 80 snaps at Clemson doesn't mean you're not a, a, a quality player. It's just that, that some programs are uh, at a point recruiting that it's uh, they're stacked. They're stacked. And I think this is uh, the really positive part of the transfer portal is it gives the guys the flexibility to find uh, a place that they can contribute. Uh, but Surge has been a great addition to us. Um, and really a guy that I, I'm super excited about, Mike, is uh, Caleb, Caleb Elon Zor, KJ. He, uh, from Moreau Catholic, he has taken a tremendous step. Uh, he was an edge player, really, you know, from what we recruited him, he was an edge player. He was a very disruptive edge player in high school. And had I been his high school coach, I would have played him on the edge too because guys couldn't block him. Right. Uh, he played that spring season. He popped an ACL. And then he came to us, and then he was really kind of in that rehab, uh, getting back on the field. Uh, we've played him inside. We've always projected him as being an inside player. Uh, last year, he was rehabbing himself through it. Uh, the playbook wasn't quite making sense. But KJ, uh, this entire offseason, has really, really, really dedicated himself to the mental part of of the linebacker position. He has been – he's spent countless hours uh, – you know, sitting down with myself, with Coach Taylor, really a lot, uh, with Coach Taylor in the uh, in our meeting room, and just just preparing himself. And he had a fantastic spring. If if there's anybody uh, at the inside linebacker room that I would give a most improved, it'd be Caleb. So nice. that's exciting for him. Uh, Blake Anzalotis is still, you know, he's in there fighting with uh, Serge and KJ, uh, playing what we call the Mike linebacker position. Uh, you know, Blake is a as a tough a kid as we have on the team. Uh, we just got to continue to keep him available. He's got some nasty to him. <laughs> he does. He and he's an expl extremely explosive athlete. Uh, he's a violent finisher. Um, you know, we just need more availability, and and that's something he's taking a, a good hard look at, and he's doing everything he can uh, to become available more often. Nate Rachina is another quality quality player. Uh, you know, Monta Vista. Um, had a chance to watch uh, him play a ton of high school games, played safety, played wide receiver, returned kicks. Uh, and he's uh, another player that that we're really, really um, thankful to have, and he'll continue to, to get better, and he'll to, uh, keep getting opportunities. And we moved uh, Hunter Barth from the safety position uh, down to linebacker, and I think that's a, a better spot for him. Uh, I think he could play safety, but I think he's a more natural uh, a linebacker. I think we're getting him up to about 215, 217 right now. Um, and he, from where he was practice 15 to where he was practice one, uh, he'd be right behind Caleb as most improved. Oh, nice. Does he become like a, a nickel dime type low guy who can, who can do both? Right now we're, we're keeping him as that inside, uh, position. Uh, but yes, you're, you, we could put him as that, that, that DD, that dime position that becomes more of the kind of the cover linebacker, 
Uh, we did not really dive into that uh, a great deal in the spring, uh, but he does have that capacity of, of maybe helping us with some tight ends and some man-to-man situations. Yeah, as a former safety, you would think that that's kind of a natural fit for him there as mm-hmm. well. We, we said we're going to talk about the transfer portal and NIL and kind of everything going on out there because I came into your office and I came in with that that classic old crotchety guy of, oh, yeah, the whole situation, college football, boy, what are and you had a unique take on it that that just kind of spun me. And I'm like, you're exactly right. Uh, so talk about that take about today's age of college football. Well, I think the where we're kind of at, and you know, we were all exactly where you were, Mike. So this is not something that you know we've embraced and just you know without a lot of talking and heartache. Uh, but what we found is the the best way of of taking this situation is to embrace it. Um, how many stories do we all have? Oh, back in the, back in the day, back when I, you know, we used to do triples. We used to, I mean, we care, but nobody cares, right? right? We care, we care because you did it. We did it. But for, for it being our livelihood, it's, it's everything with your eyes forward. Uh, and you know, we talk a lot about chaos where there's chaos, there's opportunity. You know, I don't care what um, what field you're in. There's always going to be people that navigate chaos well, and there's going to be people that navigate chaos poorly. Where we need to situate ourselves and within our parameters of how we work, you know, which is a whole structural thing, right? From the university, from the conference, from uh, TV rights, distributions. I mean, it's, it is a, a holistic approach that our conference has to take. And then for us, you know, what's our... What's our niche? You know, what's our sweet spot? Uh, and we need to embrace that sweet spot of, of, first of all, identifying it. And, you know, we're trying to continue to navigate of, you know, where do we, where do we make hay uh, from the high school kids? You know, where, where did JUCO players fit in our program? And then how do we supplement our program uh, through the transfer portal? You know, so we don't have it all figured out. No one has it all figured out. Right. Um, there's, because it's still morphing. It's still changing every day. It is. It is. And and as uh, kind of the guidelines continue to to move around a little bit uh, and the guidelines that are enforced and the guidelines that aren't enforced, you're going to see uh, different programs take different approaches. And, you know, that's, that's for everybody to figure out for their own building and their own university, you know, what's their comfort level, you know, what, what does the football program mean to the university? There's, there's so many more dynamics. And then, you know, what is the, uh, what is the support at your university look like? And, and what are their, what are their tolerances as well? Yeah. And so, so much goes into that mix. You know, as we talked about, I'm, I'm writing a book right now on these personal development properties, these philosophies and you hit on one of those human truisms that's you can either ignore and bitch about your circumstances and the problem, and you can extend it and create more problems and more anxiety and more issues for yourself, or you can face it, take it on, own it, and get through it, right? You can bitch about it or you can be about it. And and kind of the way I, your approach to me is the perfect approach is like, hey, this is what it is, so we got to live in this environment. Let's go. And I love that. Yeah, it's... uh there's so much change in, in, in our, in our, you hate to say it, but when you start hearing people talk about changes, you're like, in your space, you know, whatever, whatever space that is. And I think every profession is feeling that, um, I, I don't know if there, how much subtlety there is in these spaces that are changing. I, I think what we're feeling right now in, in all professions is a tremendous, uneasy, uh, shift in the way that things have been done. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think, you know, you're te- your people talk about growth mindset or fixed mindset. If you're not in a growth mindset, if you're not willing to adapt, right. If you're not willing to, uh, you, you know, Mike, you brought up earlier, uh, you know, some of our biases from our previous experiences, those need to be experiences, not biases. Those need to be part of the, the education of understanding yourself, understanding where you're coming from, understanding the lens in which you're seeing things, but the ability to grow through that, which 
that's where you'll see a separation in 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 every uh, in every profession. It's yeah, you know, to the richness of your repertoire, right? Like I had exactly. this experience, which I can add to this discussion. You know, there's a bunch of coaches that maybe hey, they're they're starting in this NIL space right now, but they will not have the development aspect, the the uh, years and years of high school projections and and developing players. So, you know, they might have strengths in a in a in a certain space, but in another space of well, uh, I don't know how to develop a. A relationship with the high school kid for two years. I'm just at a school that we can NIL him and we can pay him more than the the market. So I'm a hell of a recruiter. Well, you should be a hell of a recruiter if you can overpay. Big checkbook. Yeah. If you got the biggest checkbook, if you can't recruit kids with big checkbook, then I don't know what you're doing. So it's yeah. you know uh, you know typically the the guys that that pay the most for the NIL are are you know it's kind of odd that they're the best recruiters. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? So your prediction does this does the does the transfer portal and NIL does it become the smaller schools the FCS the Mountain West the you know that kind of stuff does does that become the feeder system where high school kids now go and I, I just think about this because I work with high school quarterbacks all the time high school kids now get recruited some of them make it out right the superstars make it to the big schools but then do the other kids go and kind of cut their teeth in the smaller schools and then pop and take the ride up the ladder what what are your thoughts on that. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's, I think there's two parts to that, Mike. Uh, I believe that the smaller schools will be feeders. Um, I'm not sure that the way you described it is how they will become feeder schools. Uh, I don't know if, if kids will look at the way that maybe you're looking at it as a, uh, sure. Every, everybody thinks they're an all-star. I get that. And you know, that is, that's something that I don't see that changing. Unless there is uh, an extremely strong uh, coach, mentor, mother, father, uncle, something. Something has to be extremely unique, and that player has to be accepting of a different narrative. Yeah. Uh, And that's, you know, I, I just... We all know people, and we all know competitive men. You know, talking about football, competitive men—they, honest to gosh, think they, they have can to. do anything. They have to, and that's the that's the the strength, and that's also the blind spot as well. It's it's sometimes we don't have appropriate awareness, but to have appropriate awareness, you don't do great things with 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 self doubt. Yeah. Or, or you, you fight through it, but like going and pushing and believing in yourself and, and doing things that that either people thought you couldn't do or you didn't think you could do, but you you you're, you're extremely driven. So I don't know how you're going to tell a player that could go uh, hour five. Hey, you know what? Have you ever thought about going one division down, getting on the field, and then? matriculating yourself up and have a better opportunity, better choice, better uh, foundation. I just don't know if that is going to be digestible for yeah. a young man. I, I, I just don't know. I, I would agree with that 100%. I think if it happens, the system forces it to happen that way, right? There's just no opportunity at the next level. I just, I've seen a lot of these FCS schools, Portland State and other schools that are saying our recruiting classes are great because the NIL is keeping some of these high school kids out of being you know, accept or, or recruited by the larger schools. And so I just think that that the system creates that dynamic potentially, but you're right. I'm around, I can't tell you how many D1 players I'm around every year in high school football. When the reality is you see very, very, very few of them in high school football. And that's true. And really, I, I think the transfer portal is really going to keep the levels really exactly where they are. The guys that that were recruited to uh, our level that aren't playing are going to find, I, I think all the talent is going to find its appropriate space, its appropriate level. The guys that, that aren't quite their twos and threes and they want to be ones, they might have to jump down one division. They might have to jump down two divisions. But the guys that are all conference guys in some of the other divisions, they're going to jump up 
So I think what you're going to see is, is in a, uh, a leveling out of the talent competing against appropriate talent. And, and, and really just the, the depth charts really, uh, not creating parity because it's not, it's not a, a design function of, you know, take from one to give to another to create parity. Uh, so I don't think that's probably the right. It's kind of a homeostasis where it finds its own level. Yes. I, I think that's where the transfer portal, uh, will end up really helping everybody because in, in my humble opinion, uh, if I was advising a, a, a high school player is do your best to find your appropriate level in that, uh, you know, basically is just the opposite of what I think will happen. Um, because when you tell a young man, find your appropriate level, what does that mean? He has no appropriate. He's, he's 16, 17, 18 years old. He's never been in a game. He, he doesn't know what it's like. I'm QB one all the time. And, and everybody tells me I'm good. Right. So there's nothing in my experience. There's nothing in, uh, in my vault. There's nothing that would tell me that I am not exactly what everybody is telling me that I am. Yeah. Perspective is everything. My, when I first got to Cal, we played UOP for our first game, came out of a wing T system. I sucked in camp. I was awful. And so we show up and Todd Powers, who was our fullback, who was like six, two, 240, ran a 4.5 or 4.6, like just a beast. Takes the ball down the sideline and gets hit by the strong safety from UOP. And it was violent. And it was right in front of me. And I'm on the sideline. My first thought was, I, I can't play here. I, I, I <laughs> definitely can't play here. <laughs> like, you know, because you come from this all-star, all-state, all-state all safety, all-state quarterback. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is a big, big pond. And I don't know that I can actually play at this level. So you're right. No, no young kid when they're being recruited or or finishing high school season understands they, they don't have the perspective for it. Mm -hmm. And even me, I just went to the Elite Eleven and watched the quarterbacks there because I'm working with quarterbacks all the time. And my perspective of my guys, because I love them, and the perspective of those guys, like getting getting your eyeballs right in terms of what's right is tough when you're not around it all the time. So I, I agree with that 100. Uh, percent I I'm sure that you didn't expect so many life lessons when we came on today for this podcast, man. But this is why I appreciate talking to you. Your your intellect, you, kind of your appreciation, your attention, uh, and, and your intention. Uh, I I just love that about you. Well, it's uh, you know, you're around football enough. Football, the only passion of football, it can't just be the X's and O's. Um, for what we do, and you know, for a big sense of what you do working with younger players, it's how, how can you help them reach their capacity? Um, the, the I can coach great players. Coaching a great player, um, you manage great players and you can develop them through some thought, through some habits, uh, you know, through positive feedback or negative feedback. I think you can make a better, uh, you can make a better player, but the, the, the challenge is how can I make whoever I'm coaching the best player that he could be? Because some people's best they could be will never be past middle school. Some people's best will never be past high school. Um, and as a high school coach, when you work with young players, there are some people that shouldn't be playing high school football, but that is the best player on the team at that position. So how can you inspire, motivate, uh, develop that player to be the very best that, that, that his tools could be all within system, with instruction, with self-talk, with practice, you know, there, there's so much that, that we can do to impact, um, our teams. Um, and then you get, you know, you get super philosophical and then how much you can impact a young man, um, which is unquantifiable. Yeah, right. I mean, you can, you can crush people. You know, for all the great coaches out there, um, I bet all of us, all of us could find an example when somebody that we looked up to said something that that crushed us at that moment. I guarantee you, I can give you five of them off the top of my head, like from yep. my career. And I played eleven years pro. After, like, I I can give you examples of that. 
Yeah, and it might not be football. It might be soccer. It might be you're going for a vault. Whatever. It might have been people. Um, and you know, so so if you don't have kind of that passion, um, because you know, hell, all of us go out there and yell and scream at kids and tell people how how poor they are at doing it. That's not a coach. That's that's Captain Obvious, right? You know, we're all we can all see the obvious um, for the you most part. That up, really? Well, yeah, like right, right, well, coaching me. There was a, uh, I got a great story. Uh, you guys know Drew Bennett, local guy, right? Which oh, yeah. And uh, he tells this story. He'd tell it a lot better. And it's, it's probably maybe one of those anticlimactic stories. But uh, we're, we're playing for the tights together. And we're in uh, one of the falls together, one of the training camps. Uh, and he has, a, he has a drop. He runs like a dig in cut and he drops it. And here's from the coach over there. You got to catch that ball. No. Yeah. Instruct me how to do it. Right. Instruct me. Turn my hands over. Frame it better. You know, capture that ball. Pin it. Wh- whatever it is. But it, it's it's the captain obvious of we got to make that tackle. Well, thanks, coach. Yeah. I, I couldn't have done that without you. No shit. Did that take a PhD to figure that one out? Like, yeah. yeah. How, how much are they paying you to tell me I got to catch that ball? Uh, agreed. I I, I love I I so. Having a little bit of experience, right? Having played for so long, I will, I will love being on a football field and hearing somebody, oh, you got to meet that tackler, what, you know, whatever it is. And I'll look at one of the other coaches and I'll, be, I'll look at him and just say, great coaching over there. That's what's going on right now. You know, it's, it's so funny. Uh, at, and, I, and again, this is why I love you, man. This is why I love what you do because at the deepest level for a coach, if you are not driven, by serving your player, giving them the best that you have to help them do what they do. We do it because we played, we love it, and we want that guy to help us. And you do that, and, I, and when I talk to you, I, I get that from you uh, as a coach. And I think that that's what your heart your heart has to be. And it doesn't mean, you know, since you're talking about heart and, and the, the heart to serve, and there's a lot of different connotations to that, but um, if you don't want to help people get better, you know, it's... Um, you know, think of a, a impactful teacher you had. You know, I can think of Mr. Sowers, my math teacher back in, in middle school. I mean, I can, I can, you know, there, there's all sorts of stories and, you know, they call us coach because there's a ball, but you could call us teacher as well. Without a doubt. My best coaches have been my best teachers uh, over the course of my life. I appreciate you coming on here today, brother. We got deep and philosophical, which is awesome. I love that part of it. Uh, and I love having these conversations with you. I look forward to seeing your defense this fall coming out and kind of what they what they grow into, what they become. Well, that makes two of us uh, really excited about the guys we're adding. We're continuing to be uh, as aggressive as we can while being mindful with uh, any uh, additions that we're bringing in and, and uh, just doing everything we can to put the best product on the field um, with the best coaches and, and give ourselves a chance to win more games. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you to everybody at home listening to this or watching this. We appreciate your attention to this as well. Always trying to bring you the insights on Cal football and hopefully some life lessons like today as well. For Bear Insider, Ultimate Insider Podcast, I'm Mike Pulaski. As always, go Bears.